Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, girl? Grab my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away. Now, Ed, our, we just did a segment that was so great. That Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bartend. This is the Press Box. The last two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best of. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best of on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times. With Grady and Bischoff. Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN Las Vegas. We don't do anything that well on this show. We just show up each day and try our best. Ed, Tyler, and Jared, woo-goo, let's go. We're back. The first bite. Forgot about his catchphrase. <laughs> I'm going to get T-shirts made with just woo-goo. But you have to have the explanation. Nobody's going to know what you it know, is. Exclamation points at the end, though. There's like 10 of them. Woo-goo. Jiggy Sage. <laughs> do say yes, Wugu. Do, the we dude. do the worst radio show. I yes. feel this sorry is the worst radio listening. show by ever. We could have a picture of Deuce screaming Wugu. No be kind of funny. Yeah, and not a single person would have a clue. What, no. Not even me. I'm here every day, and I wouldn't even know what was happening. Can the Golden Knights dominate at home again? Apparently not according to Pete DeBoer. Yeah, let's play this. Let's so, play Pete so DeBoer. The Golden Knights have been really good. At home in this series. Um, but Pete DeBoer doesn't think they're going to dominate at home. Here's what he had to say yesterday. Well, they're going to have a say in that, Gary. Like, I mean, you're not going to, you're not, we're not going to outshoot Colorado two or three to one every game. You know, it's not just about us. Uh, we played a hell of a road game last night in a, in a tough situation and found a way to win. I think uh, Colorado has found another level here. Uh, and that's not going away. Uh, you know, they're going to be at the same level tomorrow. So, you know, this isn't going to look like uh, game three or four. It's going to look more like last night, and we're going to have to find a way. Well, game, that's what we are talking yesterday after this, after the Zoom. Ben and I were talking in Denver. See, game three, I mean, the Avalanche are five minutes away from winning. So yeah. if it looks like that, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I will be surprised if it looks like game four. I just will because I think everyone's tight tonight. I mean, Colorado's a lot tighter, obviously, because if they lose, they're out. But I think the Knights are a little tight saying, you know, if you fall, you're headed back to Denver. So I don't think it'll be like game four. But I think you and I could see it being like game three. And with five minutes left, someone, you know, close game thinks they have a chance to win. Well, even in game three, the Golden Knights are pretty dominant shots-wise. Right. Like but it was they, still close. Yeah. I mean, well, Colorado was ahead. Yeah. But they like the Golden Knights. Like, so you take games three and games four. The Golden Knights in those two games, shots on goal at five on five, 73 to 28 That's in favor number. of the Golden Knights. 73 to 28. They had uh, 37 more scoring chances than Colorado in those two games. 37 more over two games. Like they were, as far as shots and chances, they beat Colorado down in those two games. But in game five, Colorado had five more shots on goal. Colorado had three more scoring chances, or 13 more scoring chances, and Colorado had six more high danger chances. Colorado was better than the Golden Knights in game five. And if game six is going to look like game five, Colorado probably wins. Like, Colorado probably wins that game if it's played a lot like game five. So, I mean, maybe Pete DeBoer is just giving an answer to you know, respect the opponent. And, you know, he's not going to walk in and say we're going to blow them out or anything like that. 
But if it's, again, if it's played like game five, Colorado probably wins and they're going back to Denver for game seven. So what you're saying is in three and four, Philip Grubauer played well. <laughs> he did. He did play very well. <laughs> he played really well because he saw 180 shots. Here's what I like. Okay. Here's what's most fascinating about the series to me is the whole idea of having last change because you're the home team and line matchups and how that is apparently the only thing that matters in this series. Like, I don't, I, it's so, it's such a simple thing that I, I have a hard time believing that it's the reason the series is played out how it's played out. But yeah. like it is. And here, okay, here's the thing. Mark Stone and Nathan McKinnon have been on the ice together for 35 minutes and 36 seconds at five on five in those 35 plus minutes. The Golden Knights have outshot Colorado 28 to 14. They've had more scoring chances, 27 to 13. They've had more high danger chances, 13 to six, and they've had three, nothing edge in goals. They have been dominant when Mark Stone is out there with Nathan McKinnon to compare that when McKinnon's been out there with William Carlson, only 24 minutes, Colorado has a 15 to six edge in shots. Colorado has a 17 to seven edge in scoring chances, a six to two edge in high danger chances. And Colorado's outscored Vegas three to nothing. So when McKinnon's on the ice, if he's with Mark Stone, the Golden Knights are awesome. If he's out there against William Carlson, the Avalanche are awesome. And like the series has been that simple. And that's bizarre to me that it can be that easy to break down how this series has gone. The Selkie favorite. Apparently, Apparently to I don't even know why series. they haven't already given him. Right? I don't know why they already given him the, uh, the Selkie. Um, do you remember? Maybe I just don't remember in terms of the Golden Knights the first three seasons as we went through their playoffs. Even you know, even when they went to the Cup final in the first year against Washington, and maybe it is because of McKinnon. That might be the entire situation here with McKinnon, and he's so good. I of all their series, I have not heard about last change as much as I have no, this series. And yeah, it's, like that's even with Ovechkin so, in the yeah. Stanley Cup finals. Yeah, Ovechkin's really good. But this series, from the very beginning, he was asked questions about well. You're at home. You have last change on the road. Well, you know, Bedar will have last change. McKinnon, and, and here's the other thing, which was a little funny. He was asked after the game of the night. And I'm sure you really know this about the matchups. And you know, when Stone's on the ice, and obviously Bednar made it to where he, McKinnon was not going to be on the Stone. Petey, yeah, I don't care about matchups. I know. Yes, so great. yes, you do. So <laughs> you do care about matchups because more, even more than us, more than anyone, you know the numbers. You know the analytics. Your people are telling you this. You know everything that's happening on the ice. Yes, you care about matchups. If yes. you didn't care about matchups, they would have been swept. Yes, because, because McKinnon. Well, yeah, they exactly. <laughs> you, they, Bednar, put McKinnon on the ice anytime yes. you want. It really doesn't matter to us. Of course, you care about. And by the way, he should care. Look at the numbers you just put out. I would care. That's the only thing I would care right? about at this point. It's like I don't care. Flurry, whatever. You, you, you know, let her start. Who cares? Because as long as I can match up Stone with McKinnon, we're winning the series. Right. Because, like, like you said, in every playoff series that they've I've played, I've never heard it this much. Like it, it gets brought up every now and right, then, but, like, it, but more about like situational things where right. like, oh, if there's an icing and these guys have been on the ice for two, yeah, they're two, and, they're, yeah, they're two, it's and, just too long yeah, and they're tired or stuff right. like, yeah, it's like you hear it every now and then, but not to the point where that's what's deciding the series, yeah. which is who's make Nathan McKinnon right, on the ice with, which is apparently what's deciding the series, and it, it's bizarre to me that it's been that big of a difference between the Carlson line and the Stone line because like. We all know Mark Stone's the best player on this team, right? Mark Stone might end up winning the Selkie as the best defensive forward. But, like, I don't think anybody has really thought there's that big of a gap between Mark Stone's line and William Carlson's line. Like, there's a gap, but I don't think anybody thought it was, okay, 
When Stone's out there, Nathan McKinnon is useless. When Stone's not out there and William Carlson is, Nathan McKinnon's the best player in the sport. Well, and you also have the Zooms I've been on. I've been on most of them. Players talking about it, which I never remember that. Like, Marsha so at least he three times. Like, yeah. And Stone has said it like three times. Well, you know, well, you know, the matchups. They use that word, the matchups, the matchups, depending on if they're home or away. And again, I have to think it's because of Nathan McKinnon. I mean, that you know, like I said, I'm trying to remember everyone they played to this point before McKinnon. Obviously, Ovechkin in the final was like, you know, he was the guy, and everyone was talking about him. But even with Ovechkin, you just said, oh, he's a great player. You, I didn't hear Gallant or players back then talk as much about well, who you matching up against Ovechkin. It's just like they kind of played, and I know there was last change. I get all that, but it wasn't made a big difference. Like no one talked about it, yeah. which now. It's all anyone talks about. And the fact that he's denying it is the best. Is. That's actually the best. And he's because, actually saying it doesn't matter. Like Jonathan Marshall has, in the last two media availabilities, he's talked. He's talked. He's mentioned, yeah, the Stones line done a great job matching up with the best right. line in hockey. Like he yeah. calls them the best line in hockey. Well, he's said that 76 and, times, yeah. And says the Mark Stone line has done a phenomenal job yeah. matching up with them. So, like, DeBoer cares. He absolutely cares. Well, he should. Like, if he de- Here's the thing. If DeBoer doesn't care, he's just lucking his way yes. into this series win. And, and that's he not the way it is. And he doesn't deserve any credit. When no. in reality, he, he deserves probably a ton deserves of credit. all, all the, the credit. credit yeah. Because he said, yeah, he finally stopped starting he his all the credit, line. Of course. And was like, all right, Mark Stone will probably work against this guy. Let's only play Mark yes. Stone against this guy. So it's, it's So I guess bizarre. tonight matters. He right. gets last and, change. So, okay. So you bring up losing tonight, going back to Colorado. Based on the way game five went and based on the fact that we're sitting here talking about last change makes such a drastic difference. If the Golden Knights don't win tonight, it feels like they're losing in seven, right? Like if they don't end up as the win, if they don't clinch the series tonight, like the way games have gone in Colorado, even game two, when the Golden Knights were better than Colorado, they lost in overtime in the first period. Colorado dominated. Like it feels like if this goes back to Colorado for seven, the Golden Knights season is going to be over. I mean, I'm not going to argue with I've been all those games, Colorado. I thought it was ending the other night until Flurry makes the save. I mean, that was just point blank. I thought I literally on that shot, my eyes went to the back of the net because I thought it was over. Like I, he was so it was so point blank. So I, I just assumed it was in. And as Stone said afterwards, you know, let's be honest, should be going home down three two. Yeah, I don't. I if I'm them, you you absolutely want to end it tonight. The only thing I would say is if you go back to Colorado, I don't know how much this means in the big picture. Obviously, at that point. The Avalanche, it's all on them at that point. I mean, because they're at home, they're the favorite, and get all that. Maybe that means nothing, especially if they got a lead at home. Uh, but, yeah, if I'm the Golden Knights, it's a simple statement, but I'd want to close this out. I, why would you want a chance going back on the road? to, no, a, to a, You don't want to go back there if you don't have to. So, yeah, I mean, you, you want to close it out. And I would assume, they're the you know, they're obviously the favorite tonight and the way they've played at home, but – like we were talking yesterday, and someone said, "What do you think?" We we're at the airport. What do you think? I'm like, you know what? I haven't been right all series. I have no idea. Like if you told me, like if you told me tonight, either one, I'll buy whatever you say. I, I have no idea in, in this in terms of who's going to show up. And maybe DeBoer, maybe DeBoer wasn't BSing everyone yesterday. Maybe he truly believes they're going to play like they did at Colorado. And here's the thing: he better believe that. Like you have to think yeah. they're going to play great because if not, then you could get caught. So. I don't know behind the scenes what he's saying, but I think he should think that Colorado's going to play like they did the other night. I think part of the reason him saying that is because the Avalanche did finally change the way they played. Like mm-hmm. they dumped it in a yeah. lot more. They were much more conscious of what the Golden Knights were trying to do to do to them defensively, rather than for the most part, Colorado's just skated out this year and said we're better than everybody. We're playing. We're going to play however we want. 
for the first time, it looked like Colorado in game five changed the way they played. And DeBoer, I assume, is expecting that to happen again, which conceivably will keep the score closer regardless of who's better. Let me ask you this. And Ben said this after the game that he goes, if I was a Colorado fan, this team would drive me crazy because of how they play. Because, look, if this series hasn't told you anything, it's told you that what we said all year was that division was horrible. And most nights they could just roll out and say, we have Nathan McKinnon, we're better, we're just going to beat you. You've seen in this series that's not the case. And like Ben was saying, he goes, whether they're cute with the puck or turning over, it's like they keep playing this way. Like, that's okay because eventually we're going to score. We, we're we better than you. And in this series, it hasn't worked out that way. So it is it is funny in terms of Colorado fans. Would it drive you crazy in a series like that? It's like you're just stubborn. And the other night maybe they weren't stubborn. Yeah, I, I think that's true. That last night or the two nights ago they weren't. I'm fast. Well. We have a game six and maybe a game seven, but I'm looking ahead. I am fascinated to see however whoever wins this series, how they play against Montreal. Like if yeah. Colorado comes back and wins, do they go into Montreal and just say, yep, we're better than Montreal. We're back to doing what we were doing yeah. before yeah. and win that series what do the Golden and Knights like do? sweep them? Or if the Golden Knights do it, can the Golden Knights go in there and just say, yeah, we got Mark Stone. Who the hell do you have? Nick Suzuki? Nick Suzuki! Like, so, Harry Price! I, like, come on! Milo! It's, we, we've talked about a lot this year that because of the schedule, you didn't play within... You only played within yeah, the Yeah, you division. didn't play these other so, teams. So it's fascinating to see, you know, Colorado and Vegas had the most points in the NHL this year. But the, again, we said, what does that mean? Right. Do, were they actually the two best teams in hockey? We have because, no idea. Because if they were, we're watching the Stanley yeah. Cup final right now. Right. Like, these two teams are going to... One of them is going to win the Stanley Cup final if the regular season is true... But it's hard to say the regular season was true when the Golden Knights got to play Anaheim and L.A. and San Jose yeah. and Arizona for all their games and other teams had to play actual real NHL players. The Knights next year, early prediction, will be like this. That division will oh, be so bad, they'll just roll out. They And, they, you know, we'll see what happens in the place. But they will just roll out next year against some of those teams. And it's going to be like this year with Colorado. It's like, yeah, we're just better. A, they should hang a Pacific Division banner as soon as the season starts next year. Like what if, opening what if they night, did that on opening night? Hang one for that season. And two, Seattle's going to make the playoffs next year. That's your prediction? Seattle's going to make the playoffs. So really? We'll, we'll see what the hell they do with their Ooh, roster. But like, Seattle makes it to the cup and wins two games. <laughs> That's a hot take right there. You got Seattle making the playoffs? The, yeah, just it, it'll be fun if they do. And the division's so bad. I can't Like, you... You saw San Jose and Anaheim oh. play this year. You can't imagine an yeah. expansion team will actually be that much worse. No, than we're those seeing teams. in this series what Colorado did. Yeah. They just showed up and said, We have this McKinnon guy. You suck. Yeah. I and mean, it, that's what they did like, if, most nights. If the playoff format next year is back to normal, where three teams from each division get in, that means three of Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary, uh-uh. LA, uh-uh. San Jose, uh-uh. Arizona, and Seattle have to get into the playoffs. Like, that's a bunch of bad that's, teams. Well, it's a bunch of bad teams, but the Ve- Vegas will always be in. If I had to pick a second one, I'd only pick Edmonton because of their lo- first line. Yeah, that'll be great. That, would be, that would be it. But yeah. in that division, they're like, oh, we're getting at least a, two or three. Seattle's in as the three, and that's the division. Wow. All right. I don't think anybody else. Hot take. Keep it, keep, keep, it on the, keep it on. We can uh, play it next year. The season division. hasn't even ended yet. I mean, no one's division. saying you're wrong They've because got, what, the division's going to stink. Yeah. And I'm, I'm putting them in the playoffs. That's okay. <laughs> That's a good hot take. All right. Coming up next, is this finally the year Chris Paul is going to the NBA Finals? Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Paul Dasarich for three. Suzanne! Dario Sarich with a second trio. Paul spreads out the Suns' offense. Now starts to move inside. Now wants to shoot a three. Suzanne! CP3! 
for three. We're back to the press box with Graney and Bischoff. What the hell is he saying? Kuzan? Kuzan? That's what I heard. Well, they're going to have something to say about that, Gary. <laughs> so the Suns blew out the Nuggets for the second time. They're up 2 nothing in that series. Um, the By the way, the Jazz, or excuse me, the Suns fans were ch- chanting Suns in four at the end of that game last night. And Michael Malone, Denver's coach, actually brought that up in this postgame press conference and was like, we play like we have been. It's gonna be. It's gonna be Suns and four. So, this. I mean, they've obliterated the Nuggets, and the Nuggets lost Jamal Murray before the playoffs. There wasn't much of an expectation when that happened that the Nuggets would actually be able to do much in the playoffs. Thought they'd have a little bit more resistance than this, but they can't really handle Chris Paul. Chris Paul as an offensive playmaker has been phenomenally at 15 assists yesterday. Chris Paul has never made it to the NBA Finals. He's been to the Conference Finals one time with the Houston Rockets. You think you think this is the time, Chris Paul? We finally see a Chris Paul NBA Finals team. No, oh. I think they lose to the next whoever comes out of the Jazz oh. and the Clippers. It's so sad. Well, it's sad. All right. <laughs> I don't know if it's sad. Chris Paul's done well for himself. Um, no, I, I I think they're gonna roll through the Nuggets, and it's gonna be one of those whole sports analogies and cliches of what we saw last, and then they'll get into a series with either uh, Mitchell or Kawhi or someone like that, and they will not. Uh, when now again, we also said after the Lakers got eliminated, none of these teams have won anything in forever. So yeah, he actually could get to the finals. We don't know. I mean, they're playing out of their minds, but each series is different. And I think that whoever comes out of Utah and the Clippers will take them out. None of the teams in the Western Conference have ever won an NBA no, title so that are left. Who knows? So and in the East, it's uh, Philly won it in '83. Mm-hmm. And that's the most recent title of any team that's still left in the NBA playoffs. The Hawks have a title like in the fifties and the Bucks have a title as well. What about and the Sixers? It. Yeah. Didn't I say Sixers? Did no, I you say said, Nets? You the said Nets, Nets have never won it. Sorry. Nets, no, the Sixers me. have won it. Sixers won it last in 83. The yeah. Nets have never right. won the NBA title. So that's well, forever for all these teams. I mean, we talked about it before. It's kind of cool because someone's going to win it. They're like, Oh, go for them. They haven't won it in forever. It's not the Lakers again. or something, not something like that. I don't know. I just, I, it's not that I wouldn't want Chris Paul to get to the final. I'm nothing against Chris Paul. It'd be great for him. Um, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of cool players in that team. You know, I've talked about them, but I just, I think they're going to lose next round because I think a lot of people would want it to happen and they're going to roll through the nuggets, obviously, and they're going to get in the next round and they're going to, I think they're going to get much harder, uh, much harder resistance between before the jazz or the Clippers. I think the I think they are the third best team left in the West, I think is yes. the, the issue for them. The other right two now. are better. Yeah. And I, I think their best chance might actually come against the Clippers because the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard, but then who do they have after that? Like is is do you actually trust Paul George to well, You got a hard time the other night. <laughs> yeah. Man, some people came down on him hard. Well, he, he keeps doing yes. this in yeah. the playoffs. Yep. Like he keeps being one of the biggest chokers. Like Paul George is very good at the sport of basketball. There's a reason Kawhi Leonard wanted to team up. That with was the Paul one George. guy Kawhi Leonard wanted. He's very good, but for whatever reason, he has playoff games where it's like, dude, where you are can't you? Hit the rim. Yeah, yeah. Like he's a great shooter. You're like, what happened yeah. to you? Well, it's, the other night, if he plays well at all, they win the game. Yeah, he was four of seventeen. Yeah, four. if he plays well at all, they win that game. That's why I don't know if it gives them. You know, we'll see tonight. I don't know if it gives them confidence or Utah's like, man, we escaped with a win there. We stole that one. We'll even be better tonight. That well, Tonight's a really interesting game 
in my mind. Because if you're the Clippers walking off the court the other night, like that is a missed opportunity. Yeah, huge. Well, listen, you know what you can say about both series. They haven't started yet. No home team has lost. Oh, that's right. Oh, the night started. The, the other, series the has Knights started. finally <laughs> started the other night when the Avalanche lost <laughs> on home ice. Darn it. I missed that for my lead in the column. The series has begun. <laughs> Darn it. But yeah, none of the, no, I don't think, uh, well, no, no. The only NBA series that started right now is Atlanta Philly. Yes, because the they stole the first one. game. Yeah, yeah, the game otherwise, yeah. none of these other second round series no. have even started yet. <laughs> that's nice, son. You blew them out twice. Series has, it would have been great if Michael Malone last night had said that. Ah, Series, series hasn't has started. started. We have lost by a combined 76 points, but the series has not started because we have not lost at home yet. <laughs> I mean, Pete DeBoer did basically say that after they lost two to Colorado. Yeah. I know. Stone has said it. He I said mean, they, they yeah. held serve at home. Now we got to do the same. And I they think, did. I think it's after game three, Stone said it. I, I know a player has said it. I'm pretty oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think Stone said that. He goes, well, you know, until you lose at home, the series hasn't started. Like, I, think, I think his phrasing was, you're not worried until you lose a home game. I think is the well, way he had they it. lost game three, it would have started <laughs> yes. and it would have been over because you would have been down three zero. So basically what we've learned is Pete DeBoer is really good at messaging to his players Apparently. and then yes. them regurgitating yes. it to yeah. the media. Yeah. Well, they, no, no, they no. are. No, because he's saying that line matching doesn't matter, and Jonathan well, John Marsh is out here talking about oh, matchups. All right, all right. So he has gotten one message across because I saw Max Petretti on. It must have been NHL Network. I, he was being interviewed yesterday. Well. You talk about the greatest players in the world we're playing. Greatest line in the world. I mean, it's like they don't look really great when when your line's on the ice. I mean, it's like the the and I th- I think DePore said it yesterday too. The and Colorado's good. We get that, but the overzealous yes. appreciation of how good the Colorado Avalanche are yes. at this point is like, my goodness. Like, listen, both of us expected Colorado to win this series. Yes, both of us expected the Avalanche to win it when they yeah. went up two nothing. Yes. But they did finish tied with points in the regular season. And a lot of the ways that the Golden Knights talk is, oh, my God, we're the 16 seed going up against Duke. Did, did you love uh, Jared Bednar yesterday about the Blues? No, did, I missed oh, that. What did he say? Oh, he goes, look, he, he's getting mad at the insinuation that, hey, what's wrong with you guys? You're up 2-0 on these guys. He's like, look, he goes, he, he, I'm paraphrasing, but he goes, this is Vegas. It's not like it's St. Louis. <laughs> the Blues fans, the Blues fans came back at that guy. You mean the Stanley Cup champions? What have you ever? I mean, he it just went one after the other after the other. Blues fans just ripping this guy. What do you mean it's not the Blues? It was actually pretty funny. He goes, this is Vegas. It's not like it's the Blues. He's not wrong. Not this year. I mean, recent memory, but no, not this year. He's not wrong. Blues weren't that good this no, year. They weren't. No. Blues are getting swept by either the Golden Knights or Vegas. Yeah. The most notable thing the Blues did was their goalie who helped them win that Stanley Cup went ballistic on the ice. Oh, yeah. He did try to fight people. <laughs> like, no, he tried to fight like every time. Every time on there his... was like a scuffle in a Blues game, Jordan Bennington yeah. was skating out like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's start fighting somebody. Yeah. Nah, the Blues deserve it. They were bad. Everyone in the Pacific deserves it outside of these two teams. Like, that's, oh, that's yeah. that it's should be terrible. Bednar and DeBoer's answer to everything. Well, it's not the it's not the West Division. It's not the Honda West anymore. No. This is an no. actually good team we got to play. Teams, yeah, two teams that are good. Oh man, the Golden Bed. Knights. <laughs> it's not like it's St. Louis. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Did we get to the, how far the Nets could go without Harden? Because I found that fast. Nah, we'll do it. All later. right. Coming All up right. next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. 
Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Good morning, David. How are you? Hey, David. Pretty good. How are you guys? We're good. Um, Okay. Baseball. What the hell happens with pitchers? Are we about to have like half the league suspended? I don't know that they're going to actually go to the trouble of suspending people. Like, it really seems like the sort of thing where at some point, like, you just got to make some new rules because you can't just tell 75% of guys that they have to stop doing what they're doing, right? Like, but it is weird. Like, I've. Yeah. (laughs) The, The big, stupid answer that I've got is that MLB needs to make its own branded goo. And they can let like a re- like let Remax sponsor it or something, or you know an insurance company, and that's what pitchers are allowed to use. So you can there's like a little jar of it, and it's got the logo on it, and it looks like some hideous you know molasses or whatever. And then the, but that's it. Everybody knows what that is, and no more of the like freelance chemistry set stuff that is clearly uh, going on in clubhouses. So you don't want the boiling of Coca-Cola and the finding out what like weightlifters use to pick up those giant cement rocks on TV. You want <laughs> I will say I've, I've enjoyed reading those stories like just as a fan of David Cronenberg's movies, there's like a really strong <laughs> body horror like element to all of that that I really enjoy. Like the the image from uh the Sports Illustrated story of someone just with their palm parallel to the ground and just a baseball calmly suspended from the middle of it because of how gross it is. Well, they could like, be that's like a rich image. What's more likely to stick a uh, bobby pin to your body because you've been vaccinated and you have magnets in you, or a baseball <laughs> to a pitcher's hand? That and so that video has been like widely seen. I'm not like responsible for promoting this lady. I, this is what I'm worried about. So for the listeners who may not have seen it. Uh, a woman was called as an expert witness and a nurse in Ohio to, they were, they're still doing the back and forth on the, like, are the vaccines good or are the vaccines going to turn you into a 5g hotspot and, uh, <laughs> like, and for Bill Gates's abusement or whatever. And this lady was trying to prove that the vaccine makes you magnetic because yes. of metals in it, which we just discovered, which she said she just discovered on lunch, which is fantastic. <laughs> Cause you just imagine her like, at a Culver's watching a Facebook video on her phone being like, I'm learning this. Like, this is, I'm in school now. And so she kept trying to stick a key to herself in the, like, on the floor of the Ohio State House. And she was like, you know, like one for five in her attempts to do it. But it was, the video couldn't have been funnier. Like, the fact that she's spending all this time with a key flopping off her and then at the end is triumphantly like, any questions? is a a real flex. I loved it. The best was the facial expressions, I believe, behind her. Yes. Where they're like, what the hell are you talking about? It's such a winning thing, too, because every time somebody has to give testimony like that, like, there's some hero somehow sitting in the gallery. Yes. Who's just got, like... But, I mean, I don't think that that person was even trying to be funny. Like, if you were around someone that was repeatedly trying to get a bobby pin to stick to their neck... Like, I think most people would make funny faces, but, like, yeah, that lady killed it. She did great. Um, the one the one making the faces, I want to be clear, not the yeah, body no. pin on the neck. Were you surprised that Garrett Cole failed so miserably when, actually, Ken Data pretty much said, look, are you cheating now? Have you cheated with the, with the spider attack? And Garrett Cole just couldn't, it's like he couldn't help himself of falling down the rabbit hole. He was so bad in that answer. I can't believe he just didn't say no comment or I, I don't know what you're talking about, but he tried to answer and it just got worse and worse. 
it was unreal. It's the worst answer I've ever seen an athlete give. And like, think about what that means, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, but yeah, it was incredible. Especially because I know that like, you know, they're, they got to be focused on the next game. And like, so they're probably not, hopefully not. I mean, like the Bauer is, but like, they're not looking at Twitter to see what baseball fans are arguing about. But like, man, you just like the bit where he like did a hard reboot of his entire brain, yeah. like in the first third, like he was like, well, and then you just hear that like windows, like boom, like reloading sound. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was sort of starting to get back online. I mean, you don't want to lie. And I guess I respect him for not just being like, absolutely not. Uh, like, why would I do that? I, I, I'm high on life. Like that would have been embarrassing too. But in this case, it's just like, I don't understand how you can equivocate your way out of something that's just like a yes or no question about a specific product. And, uh, yeah, I mean, on the, in the abstract, it doesn't sound likely to work. And then if you watch the video, you realize it will never, ever work. Well, I will say delivered like that. I will say this. I also blame somewhat because they knew it was coming after what was said. So, who are the PR people who don't say, now, look, Garrett, this has been said about you. You might want to have an answer. It's like, who's the, the PR person should have been fired immediately. It's like, can you prep this guy at all that this might be coming? I know. It's incredible, especially because it's like, what do you think they're going to ask you about, like, at this point? Like, the idea of being like, you know, we're facing the Mariners next week. Like, what are your thoughts on Shed Long? He's off the IL. You ready? Like, this is like the thing that people are interested in. It's also like early June, you know, like, so the baseball games don't matter yet. And I mean, I think this is the sort of thing where, like, he should have an answer ready. But I think that every player at this point has to know that 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 sort of question is coming. And in terms of like, Pete Alonso gave kind of like a nutty answer when asked about it yesterday, or it was like a half nutty answer. But at least like it showed that he'd reflected on it a little bit, and like he landed in a weird place. But like, yeah, I mean, just pretending like this isn't something that is real or that you know about is. Kind of like insulting a little bit, and that's why I think the PR guy should be more on point with it. Because like fans are going to know that they're being lied to, and nobody takes kindly to that. Okay, Pete Alonso's answer was basically that they changed the balls based on the free agent class to, I guess, drive spending down in the off season because they make it harder for pitchers when pitchers are coming up, and they make it harder for hitters when hitters are coming up in free agency. I, I got to say, I don't think Major League Baseball is capable of that conspiracy theory, but I like right. where Pete Alonso's going with it. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, bro. It's like, good hustle, kid. Like, I think you're significantly overestimating <laughs> these guys, but like, I think that that's um, what you said. I mean, it's basically like, it's not that they're not cynical enough, it's that they're not competent enough. You know, <laughs> like, they, they own the company that makes the baseballs. Like, it's not yeah. hard for them to do, but I think they're just tweaking it because they're tweaking it, like, because they don't know what else to do. I don't think Rob Manfred could organize a county fair. Yeah, or that he would bother. I mean, like, Manfred, this is the one thing about him that I, I guess is kind of relatable. Uh, is it like, I don't really think that he, like, likes watching baseball that much. Like, he, it's a good job, and obviously he gets paid well and everything, and it's, you know, it's tough. Like, there are downsides. You have to, like, like the Ricketts guys are always calling you on the phone and stuff like that. But there's still, like, I don't get the sense that there's, like, that attention to detail there about anything beyond the bottom line. So like what's happening with the baseballs is kind of like not his concern. That's why I think like all the changes that he comes up with are all grounded in the idea of just like, let's get this over with, like just like trying to speed <laughs> the game up willy nilly, like without any concern for what it does. But yeah, it's a, I mean, I think with, with Pete, at least like that seemed to me like a real sense of how players would understand this, that like, even if he's wrong, I think the fact that they're that suspicious of the league and of owners is like, 
that's really telling and, you know, and we're talking about, even if the actual accusation probably isn't. You tweeted or, or retweeted this week, which I, I, I find funny, but I want to get your thoughts on Sam Darnold saying he hasn't gotten the vaccination because he's still evaluating. Aren't we a little <sighs> far down the road to evaluate? Does he not know one way or the other if he's still evaluating if he wants to do this or not? Well, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, most of your, your scientists agree that you shouldn't make a decision like that until you've read 10,000 posts <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I mean, when you've read that many posts, then you know, then you've gathered enough information. Facts, we call them. Uh, that's another <laughs> word for Instagram posts. Uh, I have no idea what the hell is going on. And I, there was a quote earlier this week. Um, gosh, I don't remember who it was. An AFC South guy was like, the team was bringing in, uh, like, vaccination experts to talk to the locker room, which seems very responsible. And this guy's like, I don't care for it. Uh, like, I, I need to gather more facts. And it's like, well, all right, you have to pick one of those. Like, either you can deal with the doctor telling you stuff that maybe you don't like, or you can just be like, no, I'm not interested in that. Like, I'm really more about uh, whatever cross-training. And I think that, like, that element of it, the idea of, like, gathering more information and getting the facts and all that, like, if you've ever talked to somebody that's, like, really dead set against all of this stuff, like, at some point, like, I just expect them to be better at making those arguments than they are. Like, they never really are. Like, it's just sort of a grab bag of things and then this, like, feeling, like, in some cases they're suspicious. I always feel like with NFL guys, it's that, like, the phrase built different just, like, got too deeply into their heads. <laughs> so that for them, they're like, yeah, like, I'm sure the vaccine's good for you, but, like, I'm different. Like, I'm an elite athlete. Like, I'm Sam Darnold. And like, I don't, you know, whatever, try it, dude. It's two shots. I promise it doesn't hurt. Like, and then you won't have to worry about this thing and wearing a mask on the sidelines. To give you the upset of the year after leading the NFL in fines for COVID related violations, every single coach of the Raiders is vaccinated. Yeah. I, it's impressive. I mean, I thought last year, the way that they were trying to like just brazen their way through it was like, admirable is not the word, but there was part of it where I was just like, Gruden absolutely lives his ideals, man. Like, he's going to, like, stare this virus down, and he's going to bully it, and he's going to, like, scheme against it. But, like, in this case, like, this actually shows that he's like, all right, fine. So, like, the thing that we did last year where we tried to, like, intimidate a <laughs> virus, like, a spore, like, that obviously didn't work. So, like, yeah, of course, this is just – I mean, that's the part of it that I always feel like could be a much more compelling argument, but which teams seem – sort of hesitant to make is that like it's a real competitive disadvantage if your guys keep getting sick with the novel coronavirus SARS-2 code <laughs> like and you can avoid that now if you want like if that's the whole of the pitch then like go ahead and make it that's actually what a couple Raiders players have said that that exact phrase competitive disadvantage to not be vaccinated like John Gruden after being an whatever he was doing in the uh, regular season like they've got it they might end up being the best team in the NFL handling it now I mean, I think that seems, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of other things that go into being, like, a good football team. I just don't understand with any, baseball too, I mean, see this with the, the Cubs and stuff, like, some of their holdouts have been, like, very vocal about, like, Jake Arrieta is a big, like, uh, you know, we don't know anything, i got to get the facts. And then he just, like, whatever, <laughs> goes back to looking at whatever Jake Arrieta looks like on his phone. <laughs> but in all those instances, like, why make it harder for yourself? That's the part of it that, it seems like the easiest argument to make, and yet, like, somehow we haven't quite arrived at that yet maybe uh gus bradley uh, you know got out of the lab and said let's not have oh, these boy. six guys get vaccinated he, fa he found <laughs> a, a few players <laughs> we, he wanted. We, we are so bad here these six guys we can keep off the vaccination list maybe we can replace them <laughs> <laughs> it's all arbitrage and yes. I thought, but, uh, yeah, the idea, 
Yeah, that is definitely like a very like NFL like brain trust yes. approach to it too, where it's been like we're gonna like selectively vaccinate yes. the elite competitors. Yes. Well, he is David Roth from the Defector. <laughs> David, as always, we Thanks, appreciate guys. it. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Oh, that would be funny. Yeah. Offensive guys, you're all vaccinated. Yeah. Now you on defense over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about that. Our, our entire secondary has not been vaccinated. <laughs> they can't play. We're okay with this. We'll be we, perfectly we've sent fine. Them, we've sent them actually down the road to somebody who definitely has it, and now we're sending them out there. So you, you, you offensive, like, the other team's got to deal with that. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into Pete Alonzo because, yeah, he accused Major League Baseball of manipulating the ball every year based on who the upcoming free agent class is. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. I don't think so because for me, I think that since the start of the game, pitchers have been using substances. I mean, there's a bag of rosin behind the mound right now to help guys dry their hands and get grip. For me, I think whether they're using pine tar rosin, bullfrog or sunscreen and rosin or whatever they want to use to help control the ball, let them use it. One one on the way and Alonzo hits it high in the air, deep to center, Mullins back at the wall, he jumps, it's gone! A two run homer for Pete Alonzo. I think that the biggest concern is that Major League Baseball manipulates the baseballs year in and year out, depending on the free agency class or guys being in an advanced part of their arbitration. So I do think that's a big issue, the ball being different every single year. With other sports, the ball is the same, like basketball, football, tennis, golf, like ball's the same. So I think that that's the, that's the real issue with the changing of the baseballs. And maybe if they didn't the league didn't change the baseball pitchers wouldn't need to use as much sticky stuff because for guys that feel the ball and throw the ball every single day and for it to change every single year it's not fair to the people who are using it every single day and throwing it you're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler that was Pete Alonzo of the Mets talking about the foreign substances in baseball and all right what do you make of that conspiracy theory that major league baseball changes the baseball each year based on the free agent class because he went on to talk about how back when there was a big pitcher free agent class coming up they juiced the balls so that there would be more runs scored and now because there's like six shortstops that are going to be available in free agency at the end of the year they have made it to where it's harder to hit home runs based on the baseball Okay, so to your point to uh, David Roth about Manfred not being smart enough, I've been in the same room with Rob Manfred one time. It was in Mountain Ridge, Little League, made the Little League World Series, and he was there you know, representing baseball at the Little League World Series. There's no chance that dude in the room came up with this. <laughs> he struggled with the Little Leaguers. So <laughs> this, to think that this guy sat in a room said, you know, what we ought to do with these free agents. There's just no way. I do like Alonzo saying this, give them more control. I think he's translating to, I'd rather them have control than lose one at 95 at my head. So let them just control the ball, and we'll do our best to hit it. See, the problem with that is hit-by-pitches have gone up every year for like the last five seasons. Like as well, they're not, then they're not using enough of it. <laughs> they should just dip their entire hand in this spider stuff and like just throw it that way. The Okay, his conspiracy theory, though, it actually, in the realm of baseball it makes a lot of sense to where we talk about it in the offseason like teams don't want to spend money no 
Like there yeah. will be a, a, a couple of big free agents that get big paydays, but then like every year, sort of like the second and third tier of free agents, like will go unsigned until the season starts. And it's because owners don't want to pay his conspiracy theory is, Hey, if there's a lot of starting pitchers in free agency, let's make them all suck. Let's make all their pitches go over the fence for home runs. So the owners don't have to pay them as much in the off season. The problem with that though is you don't have every year of like a perfect split of, oh, a bunch of starting pitchers are free agents. And then the next year, oh, a bunch of hitters are free. Like there's starting pitchers and hitters that become free agents every year. So what he's saying essentially then is, and he's hurt right now, but let's say he wasn't hurt and he's really, really good. Manipulate the balls so Corey Seager doesn't have a good year so they don't have to pay him. Right, exactly. Like, ah, boy, like, that's some yeah, big, I, big hoops to jump like through. It's 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 Seager, Trevor Story. Yeah, you've got uh, big Carlos time shortstops. Like basically all the good shortstops are free agents. Yes, are free agents. And the idea is, yeah, if they all suck, then the owners not don't get have the to money. pay them as much money in the offseason. It's listen in in the realm of baseball, we talk about it all the time that owners don't want to spend money. So that part of it makes sense. But there's a couple issues. A, Major League Baseball being competent to do it. And or B, smart enough to even realize right. it. Right. And B, there's going to be starting pitchers that are also free agents. And if you make right. starting pitchers awesome, you got to pay them more. Right. So it uh, balance out. Yeah. I, I, like I said, <laughs> I, I can't believe they went through that many levels to actually come up with that. I just think that guys have been using this stuff for a long time. And, I mean, you know, Pete Alonso, maybe, you know, he he's also going back to what hitters have done and whatever he's done to to get an advantage. So um, it is interesting that he would come out and say this at the time that they say they're going to crack down most on these guys. He, the point about arbitration, I don't think I've ever seen it with a pitcher. I will say that. I don't think I've ever seen them be like, we're going to manipulate this pitcher's service time. They only do it with big bats. So I think that may have been his argument. Well, it's a lot easier to do it with pitchers. Like it's less noticeable. Like it's very oh, noticeable yeah. when you do it right, with a hitter right. because yeah, that guy should be in your lineup. You right. can with pitchers Who you can argue that was about batting one sixty six for the twins in the four hole. Well, that's probably Photo? every team. Yeah. But like with pitchers, it's a lot easier to say things like, Well, we gotta manage his innings because he's sure. young oh, and he's yeah, never you can. done it before yeah. and Oh, we you can s- manipulate yeah. them a lot. More. And it's it's more in the realm of, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas with hitters, it's like, what are you doing? That guy's your best hitter, and he's in AAA because, oh, we're manipulating his service time. Gershaw, we've seen your spin rate. You get a pitch every 10th day. <laughs> um, the other thing on Pete Alonzo, and maybe this is why he doesn't care too much, he's he's in his third year, and he's been awesome. Like he, like he's been like since he's been in Major League Baseball. It's not like he's had a problem hitting, right? So he's probably thinking, yeah, why do, do I, I care? Do? I'm hitting just fine. Like right. I don't have an issue with it. Whereas a lot of guys are having, you know, the last couple of years have had like their worst seasons ever. Like, yeah, then those guys are going to be mad about it. But for Pete Alonso, it's like, what's the problem? I hit 50 home runs as a rookie. What are you guys dealing with over there? So that might be another reason where Pete Alonso is coming from. He crushed one. Yeah. Right before saying this. Yeah. So I I very much enjoy Pete Alonzo's conspiracy theory. Even if I don't think it's true, I very much enjoy where he's coming from and that much paranoia.